Hi, this is Justin from the Theo Bros Podcast. I'm here to ask you, beg you, even, to please go follow C-A underscore Odell. That is Curtis Odell on Twitter. We're trying to get him to 1,000 followers. 1,000 followers before the rapture. So again, please go follow C-A underscore Odell on Twitter. Let's get him to 1,000 followers. This ad was paid for by the Foundation to get Curtis to 1,000 followers on Twitter before the rapture. If it isn't the the original Theo Bros, the greatest Theo Bros, the real McCoy Theo Bros, the official Theo Bros themselves actually joining me <laughs> on my humble little Theo Bros podcast. The Theo Bros brothers are finally together after all this time, Chris and Rich. I'm so happy. I've got Richard Story. I've got Chris Honholtz, these two mountains of men. You know, I saw Chris at the Shepherds Conference carrying all these books. Like, I don't know how he's that strong. And he's reading all those books as we speak. He's a brilliant guy. Um, you guys are my inspiration. You are absolutely rocking the podcast world, knocking it out of the park. If I could just give you the medal of freedom or some sort of medal, <laughs> the Olympic gold medal. Guys, I would give that to you. Chris oh and Richard are hosts of the Voice of Reason Radio. And these days, we definitely need some voices of reason. Um, not the the uh, Ministry of Disinformation or whatever that's called. Um, I'd rather have you, you guys as the ministers of truth. Um, so on Voice of Reason Radio, Chris and Rich explore biblical theology and practical application in a weekly podcast. If you haven't gone and searched Voice of Reason on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever place you get your podcast, you better go and do that right now. Click follow, click whatever the button is to make sure that you can follow them and then give them a little uh, comment and give them five stars. Well, welcome, men. Glad you're here. Thank, thank you, brother. Um, I'm not sure we're going to live up to the hype you just created there. It's, I I we, we, may, we may so want to reconsider this. I've never I've never in my life been accused of being a pro at anything. Exactly. Possibly. <laughs> I'm not even sure what. That, yeah, I'm, I'm just, stunned. I'm, I'm going to be speechless for the entire rest of this recording. <laughs> You get, this is going to be a super boring podcast, Rich, if you just decide not to talk. So you better yeah, get Rich, ready to talk. Rich, you've got to talk because you got to get some uh, some you know um, sound bites in there for Andrew because you know he's going to use them against us at some point. So <laughs> Are we talking about Andrew Rappaport? And, the Andrew Rappaport? The Andrew Rappaport, who, as far as I can tell, has bugged my house. He probably knows we're doing this right now, but yeah, it's, it seems like every time we've gotten on and there's some sort of gremlins attacking, Andrew already knows about it. So my guess is he's probably spying on the recording right now. <laughs> and he's got a bad habit of recording my the times my tongue gets in the way of my mouth and my tongue likes to do a 
like a Twizzler twist type of thing. And he manages to find almost every one of them in a, in a recording somewhere. And he likes to play the l little bloopers reel when my tongue gets tied and I can't talk straight. Yes, it's a it's a little creepy. It's a, it's that's a little creepy. horrifying. Well, oh. I tell you what, he's the guy that when I go to the Shepherds Conference, I see him pretty much everywhere, yeah. um, and he's always looking into the distance, like finding somebody, getting ready to network with someone, maybe giving them like a business card. Mm -hmm. um, I see him regularly. I just am too nervous to say hi. I, I, okay, for all the grief I give him, let, let me let me just plug Andrew a little bit. Andrew Rappaport is a great guy, and, and I say this with all sincerity. Um, he is uh, head of the Striving for Eternity ministry. He, uh, His whole desire is to get people to understand biblical evangelism and apologetics, so people are going out there preaching the gospel. Andrew will talk to anyone, any place, anytime. He is very approachable. Don't, don't, don't let him. Andrew's Andrew, so he is an acquired taste at times. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, he is one of the most approachable and, and most awesome brothers that you'll ever get a chance to, uh, an opportunity to talk to So don't, don't ever hesitate to talk to Andrew and uh, you know, just, just let him know that, uh, you know, Chris came up and said, you know, you know, give him a smack on the back of the head and he, and he'll be fine. So <laughs> I'll tell him that Rich told me to give him a noogie. I'll do there that. There you go. I like that. I like that. That works. <laughs> well, guys, I have a few things planned for us. I don't want to take too much of your time. I actually have some new segments that I'm going to introduce. I mean, this is a real podcast. This is like big time. I'm trying to go big time here. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for my listeners, the Theo Bros. What I'm going to do this afternoon is I'm going to read a haiku to you from one of my favorite Twitter accounts, Nate Haikuitz. Okay. <laughs> you can find it. I'm not even going to try to spell it. I'll put it in the show notes. It is an absolute burden to try to spell both Nate Pickowitz's name and Nate Haikuitz's <laughs> name. Um, so I will put in the handle in the show notes, but we'll talk about your podcast journey. Also, I want to hear about Voice of Reason and just the story behind it. And you can give me uh, some tips and advice, some things I, I should do and shouldn't do. And just tell me, when I'm doing a bad job, I'm, this is really just in, this is just for you to just tell me when I need to be better, um, to do better. So you just stop me and say, Hey, that, that was, that stunk. I also want to get your reaction to Elon Musk buying Twitter. Um, then we'll talk about what, uh, concerns us about evangelicalism. And then to wrap things up at the very end, I hope you're ready. We're going to, we're going to have a segment where we just talk about hilarious tweets that we saw from our friends. So I hope you're ready for that. <laughs> oh um, first, okay, first, you guys still there? You haven't left yes. yet? Okay. We're here. We're here. We're ready. Good. All right. First, we're going to, I'm going to read this haiku. It's from, again, Nate Haikuitz. It's a satirical account based on the author of Why We're Protestant, How to Eat Your Bible, and R.C. Sproul, Defender of the Reformed Faith. This is a satirical account based on Nate Pickowitz. Nate is a prolific writer, obviously. For those of you that don't know, a haiku is a Japanese poem of 17 syllables in three lines of five, seven, and five, which traditionally evoke images of the world. So, all right, here we go. You guys ready? It's going to be really dramatic, and then I want you to give me a reaction later. Here we go. Ooh, a 
little nervous. Okay. Keep the babies dry unless they've repented and believed in the Christ. Amen. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I give that a hearty amen. Our Presbyterian friends are going to get mad, but amen. <laughs> Rich, what do you think, man? It was really good. So clearly what? this podcast is just is going swimmingly. <laughs> hey, this is norm for us. I am this, a, is, this is the norm for us. <laughs> I'm a I'm a podcasting noob, guys, guys. So I'd love to hear a little bit about a little bit about your journey. Tell me about how you got your start on Voice of Reason Radio, maybe even how you met and where you are now. <laughs> Well, met. We have have we met yet, Rich? <laughs> not technically. Um, I think maybe two or three times over the years we've seen each other in in video, but technically we uh, well not technically we have never actually met in person. Nope. Uh, uh, that's that's been the interesting part of this uh, podcasting relationship. So Rich and I met online, recruited for a previous program called Cross Encounters Radio. And uh, at the time, it was hosted on a site called Blog Talk Radio. So my job was basically to keep, it was a live broadcast recording, and it had a chat room. And my job was to keep an eye on the chat room, throw in an occasional commentary, and field any calls that came in, which was very interesting because I'd never done anything like that in my life. So <laughs> I got recruited wow. to do, so I got recruited to do that. Rich knew the, the host of the podcast, uh, to, uh, our mutual friend, the, the host at the time, Tony Miano, had recruited us for various reasons. Rich was coming on and helping him with some various things. And we eventually kind of became the de, the de facto kind of comedy duo, backups, you know, sidekicks, whatever you want to call it. And he and I would fill in when uh, when Tony was teaching conference somewhere or was out doing ministry work. And so we would fill in and um, we were doing that for about what, two years, I think, Rich. Well, I think it was actually closer to three, okay. but it's somewhere between two and three years. And so um, I had stepped away for a period of time because I had some uh, just some personal things that I was working through with figuring out why I do online stuff, because as the more we do this stuff, the more we begin to realize there are some very positive things about it and there are some very very negative things about it even within the christian uh, podcasting and online community so i wanted to start figuring out what i why i did what i did and that uh, after a time uh, cross encounters kind of packed up its podcast tent and so rich and i continued to maintain contact with one another and after a couple of years of not really doing anything we got the podcast itch again and so we put together we started kicking back and forth ideas for a program and um we must have gone through i don't know a dozen ideas before we've finally settled on voice of reason radio we i don't remember all the different names we'd come up with and we just threw we threw it out there it's like hey if we did this would anybody listen some people said yes thankfully and um, <laughs> we started we started floating names uh for the program and one of the reasons what we ended up settling on and when you told at the beginning go to your Apple podcasts or whatever, you know, podcast app you use and look for voice of reason. Let me just clarify, be very careful. We did, we were not careful when we chose this name, uh, be very <laughs> careful 
because uh, a lot of atheists like the name Voice of Reason. And so <laughs> we we settled on Voice of Reason Radio. So make sure you check the description box and make sure you find Chris on Holton Richard's story. Um, but do not blame me for pointing you to some <laughs> atheist <laughs> podcast. We we try to clarify that. Um, <laughs> it's if you if you're looking for the symbol, it's the it's the letters V O R with like little microphone sound waves coming off the side. That should help you. But that we wanted that because that we wanted to our whole concept for the program was whatever you do you should be filtering everything you do in life think do and say through the word of god because that is the only actual real voice of reason everything else is is man's ideas so we we start with our filter there and that's why we came up with voice of reason radio and so six years later people are still listening to us which is kind of a mystery sometimes I don't know the last time I went back and re-listened to any of our early episodes, but needless to say, you know, it was a learning curve and, and a bit of time for us to kind of get everything dialed in just mm -hmm. right. Um, you said that the only name I could think of that was being floated around was also Rolling Chatter, which was more like a joke type of Oh, yeah, that's concept. right. Because <laughs> that, um, that, that was based off our nicknames in the previous podcast. I was Chatman. And and you were wheels, <laughs> a rolling chatter. I yeah. get it. <laughs> that one did not fly too well with the with the focus groups. <laughs> I love the I love the voice of reason concept. I love the logo. It's it's very like, it just has those like those lines that come out like a radio, you know, radio signal or whatever. Um, I think yeah, I think you guys have been around for a really long time. I don't remember when I first kind of started seeing your stuff pop up on social media. I think I met you on social media, Chris, years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've probably fought some battles alongside one another yeah, on certain cool. issues throughout the years. And so that's why I just appreciate your heart. And yes, you guys are so careful to filter everything through the word of God and through the scriptures and to give to be a voice to help people really understand how to how to interpret what's going on in the culture um, and what's going on in the world around them um, to give them the truth of the gospel and the truth of Christ. I just, I love it, guys. Great job. I appreciate that. Thank you. Why do you podcast? My answer is actually very personal and pretty simple. And I'm not even sure if I've ever even talked to Chris about this. One of my prime – there you go, Andrew. Um, one, of the prime, <laughs> one of the prime reasons that I podcast and discuss the things that Chris and I discuss, one reason is because of my grandchildren. I have three mm -hmm. grandchildren. I have a grandson and two granddaughters, and they, they vary, in rate, vary in age from five months to six years old. And really and truly, most of the time, when unless it's a topic of the day type discussion, I have them, for the most part, in the back of my mind. And I remind myself I'm doing this for them for down the road. So when they are old enough or in their late teens, or early 20s, they'll have something to go back and listen to from their grandfather that both will help them understand issues of our day happen to be and to assure them that there were those of us out there fighting against the sin and the worldliness that has infiltrated the church 
because I know over the years I've looked back to the like 60s, 70s, and 80s and asked and wondered where was the church when all these changes were taking place. Mm-hmm. So one of my reasons for podcasting is to be a voice of reason for them for down the road. Amen. Amen. That's that's awesome, brother. Yeah, I, I know you've kind of we've touched on that, but I don't think it's you've ever put it quite that way. And I and I'll tell you right now that is praise God for the heart. And and let me just say this, this will make Rich probably uncomfortable. When, when people talk to us about the show, one of the things that I hear over and over again is the love they have for Rich's heart for the gospel, that he's very pastoral in his approach. I'm the guy that can kind of do the bullet points. I can, I can make a logical case. I can make an argument, but Rich has the pastoral heart that if we didn't, if he was not part of this program, this program would not exist. And I say that truthfully. And and you heard why right there. That's exactly why. Yeah. Um, as far as for myself, when I first started trying to figure out how to put the word of God out there in some capacity, this desire to, to share, I, I looked at various things. I looked at YouTube. I did blogging for a long time. I, I actually very much enjoyed it, right? I'm just terribly... Uh, Unself-discipline, uh, as far as that goes. I hear you. Uh, uh, you know, the, the library that you talk about, I'm sitting in my office, is probably 90% untouched. I keep buying books and reading them is, <laughs> is, is a bit of a challenge. Uh, but but there was, when we were recruited to do podcasting, there was something about this format that I realized had so much potential to reach so many people. I think the written word is still mo- one of the most important powerful ways to impart truth to people because there's something about reading something that is an entirely different way of learning. And I encourage everybody to be readers. Um, podcasting is great and I love it, but readers, you, we desperately need them. But podcasting, this format allows you to reach so many people who wouldn't take time to read an article, who wouldn't take time to 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 dive into a book, but they can be hearing and and learning and being built up and strengthened and encouraged to do the the harder work you know the more research to to and to to dig deeper into the word and to you know be better hearers uh in their in their congregations in their churches and so there was just something about this format that it became a natural fit for me mm-hmm. to, to be perfectly honest i am a complete introvert you put me in a big crowded room and i want to go sit in the corner and just be quiet but you put me behind a microphone and it you can't get me to stop talking. And it's it was one of those places where I felt the Lord was using something that I, I one of the things and I hate I hate patting myself on my back. I'm not I really don't like saying it. But people have, have, have said to me that somehow I'm able to take what they're thinking of and trying to articulate it and put it into something cogent. Mm. And so this format allows me to do that. And it allows me to do that with the, the subject that I am most passionate about. And that's, it's God's word. It's, it's the, it's the Christian faith. It's about taking what we see going on in the world and filtering it through the word of God and, and thinking and acting like Christians. And as to, to Rich's point, we want there to be a record of people. We're trying to fight against the, the, mm-hmm. the, the attacks of the enemy in our day. And we want to be able to use that to equip people to think biblically. 
You know, it's really, really easy. We're all so very guilty of being swayed by what social media puts in front of us. We've all fallen prey for it. And I'm, I'm chief among those, uh, you know, the, the villains in that. But when we have, if we are forced to stop and think about what does the word of God command us to do, how to think, how to speak, how to act, to be conformed to Christ, it forces us to rethink how we approach these topics. And so we've we try to make it a, a variety of things we we've talked about uh you know uh cultural issues we we just did one on stuff that's going on within the SBC and some and how false and and, uh, and manipulated reporting can and give you a false impression of what's going on and get you know and lead you into predetermined conclusions you yourself wouldn't have drawn uh on your own that, so that's a, a bit more cultural. That's a bit more what's going on in the world. But then this last episode, we were talking with Michelle Leslie and Amy Spreeman of A Word Fitly Spoken, talking about women's roles in the church. And we're going through scripture and talking about how we can be hyper-focused and, and, you know, and misapply scripture and to where we so narrowly apply it that women aren't allowed to do anything. And so we'll, we try to run the gamut of those discussions. And so for me, it's an opportunity to take the word of God as, as best as I'm able and, and encourage people to put, apply that in their lives. And I, I got to be honest with you, Rich will tell you, there's been times I've kind of scratched my head and going, man, what are we doing? Should we really be doing this? I don't think I could stop if, you, if, you, if I tried. Mm. Uh, it has been such a blessing to be able to talk to people and share that love for God's word and, and, and encourage people to do that. And, and to, as Rich encourages everybody every week to be out there pro proclaiming the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't imagine a better format for just two guys having a conversation to be able to get that out to a lot of people. You're exactly right. And I was just, I've been reflecting in, on the book of Matthew and just focusing on Jesus and his teaching and just all the different venues and ways that he taught and, and how he, he preached and how he taught and how he exhorted and how he rebuked. And, and Jesus was a living embodiment of preaching in season and Amen. out of season. And, and the more I study Jesus and the more I look at him, Chris, I, I am one heart with you. How can I, how can I do anything else yeah. but just desire to flood social media, flood Twitter, flood the podcast land with just the reality that we are sinners and that we deserve hell, but God in his great love for us sent his son Jesus to, mm -hmm. to live this righteous and perfect life for us and then to die as a perfect sacrifice for us and then to rise again for our justification. Um, I think it's just, it is so beautiful to hear you guys express that um, because I don't want this podcast to be something that is self-promoting. Mm -hmm. um, I want it to be fun and I want to promote other people. And every once in a while, yes, I'll, I will do a, a podcast by myself, but I want this to primarily point people to, to the way, the truth and the life. Because if, you know, on my deathbed, what else is really going to matter? <laughs> I'm not going to be thinking about how many Amen. podcast hits I had, but whether I used everything, every opportunity for teaching the truth. So, and I've come to this realization, Chris, and I, I, I don't 
anticipate to have a lot of a lot of listeners, but I do know that I don't deserve any listeners. Mm. <laughs> and whether I have 10,000 or five listeners, I can be content in Christ and be thankful that he's using he's using my meager efforts for his glory. Amen. You know, it's, um, Amen. yeah, it's, it's something my my good our good friend Chris Huff over at uh, Matter Theology said to me once, and I know I believe he adapted it from uh, uh, something John MacArthur said. He says, "You worry about the depth of your teaching, and God let God worry about the breadth." In other words, you, you know, you focus on presenting the truth, the biblical truth, the gospel that you are honoring God and what you put together, and God will worry about who it goes to. And that is in the times where, you know, where I start to go, man, so-and-so's got so many listeners or, wow, man, people really went gonzo over this, but nobody ever noticed what we said here. It, that, that rings like a gong in the back of my head. It's like you worry about the breadth. So if, like you said, if it's five people, if it's one person, God wanted that one person or that five people or those hundred people to hear that message because they're the ones that heard it. Amen. And so that's what you do it for is you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to serve you. This is the one way I can do this. And then you trust him to make sure it goes to the people it needs to go to. Who are some of your podcasting inspirations? Who do you look up to in podcasting? Well, this may, this may sound self-serving in a way, but actually my first one that I think of that I look to is my brother, Chris. Um, Wow. Really, and, and I'm not exaggerating, Chris. You are you're you're the example, and the way that you are able to take a subject and break it down and and break it apart and examine it upside down, forwards and backwards, has always impressed me, and that's something I've always strived to emulate. Um, outside of my brother, Chris here, probably uh, Daryl and Virgil at mm-hmm. Just Thinking would be probably the next ones on my list if I had to narrow it down. Um, Honestly, I don't listen to a ton of different podcasts. Um, Honestly, I spend my free time. Well, I can't even say that because I wait. I have a lot of time throughout the day and I waste, I still waste more than I put to good use. But um, over the years I've, I've kind of floated in and out from spending you know, a large portion of time reading to listening to sermons or reading sermons and back and forth. But um, outside of listening to the sermons, you know, like I said, there's not a ton of different podcasts that I listen to. Um, my, the way I approach it more or less is if one sounds like a subject I'm interested, in, I'll click it and listen to it. Some of our brothers and sisters, I tried to make it a point to listen to theirs as I can. Um, the other podcast that I would like to just personally recommend is Hearts for the Lost podcast mm-hmm. because they're doing something very few out there are doing, as far as I know these days, focused entirely on evangelism, on the need for evangelism and teaching others about how to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. Chris, I'll hand it over to you now. No, thank you, brother. First and foremost, um, brother, yeah, I'm like way humbled right at the moment because um, it, <laughs> Rich is one of the only people that knows that how how um, <laughs> how haphazard sometimes uh, I can be in trying to get things put together because my work schedule and and my family life 
And so sometimes it's um, the idea that, you know, uh, of how well I, I'm able to do is if, if people could see how crazy sometimes this gets trying to get an episode out, it's, I think they'd be a little worried, but, um, but uh, I, I'll tell you, the, so the idea that, um, that he looks to me, look, uh, brother, that's, that's humbling. It's extremely humbling. Um, as far as, you know, it, I, I think, and, and this is not to do just because he said for me, but I, I do got to look to Rich because I think there's a heart that he brings to this that I can't. I, I my mentality is different and, and and how I'm wired and how I make arguments is different. And Rich's heart that which is that is like I said, it's a pastoral presentation and that that comes through. I, I can be very didactic, but his heart bleeds through and I, I it's something I wish I was better at. Um, I, I will also echo um, uh, our, our good friends, uh, Daryl and Virgil. Uh, they have set one of the highest bars possible for the depth of preparation and detail that they go into. And while not everybody can do that, to be able to, to have that desire to make a, a well thought out and researched argument, I think is, is a bar we should all work to set. Even if we can't do it to their extent, I think it's, it's one of those things that we should strive for. Mm -hmm. um, an another person is, uh, is, is Dr. James White, who's, uh, who's taken an interest in me if for no other reason than to uh, harass me with, about the movie Elf. But <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand that one. But um, the thing that I've always appreciated about him is his willingness to view an argument from all sides, not just how he's going to defeat the argument, but understanding the other person's argument and being able to represent it accurately. And that was always something that as we went into this, I think one of the things that people have at least echoed in their sentiments to us is that we, we try to be fair. We try not to, to just hammer and, and, uh, and, and caricaturize and, and straw man other people's arguments. We, we've really tried not to doesn't mean it you know we haven't made that error on time from time to time but we've always tried to and that was because of dr white that it, that influenced me in that and then it's just you know other wonderful brothers in christ guys like drew von nita and and um and chris huff at matter of theology andrew rapport uh, with his various i mean he's got to have 20 podcasts going at one at any one given time but um and 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 folks like that um you know michelle and amy because of the love for the word of God that they have and how, because they are so versed in the scriptures that as they are approaching an argument, they can just boom, they're talking it right from the word of God and, and giving the, you the, uh, the, the passage in context straight up. And, and it's people like that who have, when I look at where, where my notes might be a jumbled mess and I listen to others, it's a reassure, uh, reassurance to me that I can keep striving to do better and try to make my arguments and, and, and how I approach the podcast to meet to a standard that I know can be better because I want to rightly represent the word. And these are people that I count as dear friends and uh, they really inspire me to do the best job I can. And I've been very, very blessed to, to know so many of them personally. That's awesome guys. And, and one of the reasons why I did this little exercise here um, is so that we could introduce all of these podcasts to anybody that's listening. So we have 
we have Chris Huff, Matter of Theology. We have um, Amy Spreeman and, and Michelle Leslie, A Word Fitly Spoken. And we have Dr. James White, D The Dividing Line. And then we have the Just Thinking podcast, Daryl and Virgil, um, Daryl Harrison and, and Virgil Walker. Those are podcasts that you can go to, you can listen to, and you can trust that will point you to truth. And thank you guys for just... Um, really demonstrating brotherly love towards each other. Um, you really do have a deep love for one another. And, and, um, and that, I mean, that comes through in, the, in this interview and it just shows, you know, we show we're Christians by the way we love one another. So Amen. thanks guys. I, I want to ask another question and it's a little less serious, but at the same time, um, I want to get your reaction. What about Elon and the purchase <laughs> of Twitter? Okay. It, to me, when I get on Twitter now, this is strange. It feels like a different world. Like if Twitter feels different, it, like nothing's changed in the interface. Nothing's changed in the algorithm, really, maybe a little bit. Um, but it just feels different right now. I, I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll just say this up front. Elon's purchase of Twitter, if for no other reason, the sheer entertainment of watching the same people who lost their minds when when Donald Trump was elected president are now losing their minds once again yes. at the idea that they they no longer have strict control over the narrative that's allowed <laughs> that that just that it's like get the popcorn and just sit back and watch because that's been hysterical to, to and, and just and, and pure entertainment i think i think there's a certain sense in which it has felt a little bit different because a lot of us feel a little bit freer to, to be able to speak, you, you knew that if you said certain key words, you were already, there was very likely you were going to be, you know, ha, uh, be suspended. You were going to have a lockdown. You were going to be required to delete a post. And, and you knew that very, it was very unlikely any appeal would get me, would get you, get you off. In fact, so bizarre was tw Twitter's uh, rules that I made a joke about somebody's, you know, eating, Take, uh, use of hot sauce. I I, I don't like spicy food. I, I've said this <laughs> loud and clear. I don't like it. I don't care for it. And so I joked and I said, you might as well just pour gasoline in your mouth and light it on fire. You'll get the <laughs> same effect. Oh, no. I was, I kid you not, I was suspended for that because I was in, encouraging self-harm. And I <laughs> no. appealed it and I said, no, it was basically a metaphor. No, you're still suspended unless you delete the tweet. So I delete the tweet and I was locked out for 12 hours. <laughs> That's how bizarre it was. And, and now I, I, I don't seem to have um, the impact on Twitter that people like Nathaniel Jolly and Eki Tepsa Pornchai do. Uh, those are another podcast you can list, uh, listen yes. to. Uh, uh, or Truth Be Known podcast. Truth those Be Known podcast. Yes. Listen Please to listen it. to them. Two pastors just love the word. They are great. Those two can come on and say good morning have a what a lovely day and they have a horde of <laughs> trolls there's just no other way to describe it they have a horde of trolls that will come up descend upon them frothing at the mouth claws bared and and and, and you know chaos ensues but, so, <laughs> you know, but there is now a sense in which People just are. I think. I think they feel a little bit freer to speak, and they you're not you're not so gun shy, because you know that the folks that uh, that are running Twitter right now are worried about their own jobs, and I think the interesting thing is, as you mentioned, algorithm. I think we've. I think it's now been confirmed, even though they'll never admit it, 
that there was an algorithm that was interfering with people who would have been considered politically conservative because the day he bought it overnight thousands of people were finding you know know, their accounts boosted up and and it's like where did all these followers come from and suddenly people who didn't use who had once followed one another then somehow found that they weren't all longer following others. Now they're following each other again. Um, I think that was kind of proven to be the, the, the case. And it's suddenly just kind of there's this sense of validation that say, see, you guys were messing with stuff. And, and we've been able to show that. And I, so I think there's that sense of elation that it's like, wow, you mean this platform might actually be free to speak and, and offer ideas that people that don't uh, agree with, and you may not necessarily get banned for it. I think that's that right there has been, that's the scent. I, I, I feel the same thing you're feeling. It's a little bit different now. <laughs> well, Chris I, Chris, I agree with you with, it's almost amusing to watch some of the liberals heads exploding over this, <laughs> but all joking aside, I do see a potential problem with so many people you know, jumping up and down and applauding the fact that Elon mm-hmm. Musk has bought Twitter, thinking that, you know, he did it just to be conservative or for free speech or out of the goodness of his heart. I got news for you. Someone does not invest 40 plus billion dollars into a company unless they're planning on making profits oh, off yeah. of that purchase. And I foresee somewhere in the near future, to some extent, Twitter is going to go more towards a paid app than it is already. I mean, I know there's, they've done like beta testing on like for $2 and 99 cents a month, you can get these added features. But I think at some point Twitter is going to be a paid app to where if you want the full features that you have access to now that are free, you're going to have to be paying for them. And that's, I haven't read anything. That's just my own, opinion and and my own speculation but um you know he's taking the he's taking the company private and short of ad revenue there's no way to generate income for the company short of making it some type of paid platform because i know i saw where he had posted that basically at some point both sides are going to be upset over some changes that he's planning on making well, and I think part of that is when you look at what he posted, I think just yesterday, people are kind of championing him as being, you know, a, a conservative. But Elon himself has said he's not really a conservative. He, when he, he posted a graphic and it's, it shows three different years. And in 2008, back when he was stumping for Obama, he was left of center. And what he does is on the graphic in the two, you know, the subsequent years, 2012, 2021 it shows the person you know his liberal friend on the left running further and further left and as a as as a result dragging what would be considered the middle further and further left of Mm. him and so he finds himself more in alignment with conservatives because his positions which have not changed are so far from the left that he's almost more in alignment with it. And so I honestly believe, because he said his response in, with regard to, uh, it had to do with the idea of, of freedom of speech is like, he said, not everybody's going to be unhappy or is going to be happy with him. He says, probably more so the liberal side. He says, but the conservatives as well. And honestly, I think that's what, you know, 
you know, there's a lot of people that think that it's going to be completely open, no moderation whatsoever. And, and, and some are kind of presenting it that way. And I think Elon is making it clear he's not going to not have any moderation. He's a, he wants free speech. He wants free, uh, the free exchange of ideas. But you're not going to be completely free to say something like "let's kill such and such group" or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, or or say something that would be con- in, interpreted as hateful. Because remember, he is left of center going back to 2008. So we're still going to see moderation. We're still going to see that certain things that you're not going to be allowed to say. It's just that I think his idea is he's pulling, for example, out that algorithm. Is there going to be other things? Absolutely. Elon Musk is, is uh, you know, my wife was watching a video today about their their their, their Tesla Pi phone. And it's and he wants this Neuralink stuff where you can think and you're, in, you know, you're interacting with uh, your technology. So to, you know, to think that he's not going to find some way to make additional money and Twitter is part of that. Oh, I absolutely agree with you, Rich. What that will look like, I don't think any of us are, re- are ready to anticipate yet. But, you know, that's that's one of those things is, you know, we have to be, we have to remember, Elon Musk is not a biblical conservative, you know, m- m- uh, person. He is someone who's back in the, when sanity was a little bit more in, uh, in greater supply, he was left of center. He was voting for Obama. You know, so we have to keep that in mind. You know, he's he's not going to be the champion of conservative values. This man is not going to keep the the terrible like some people have said, well, you want to really clean up Twitter, get rid of porn. Totally agree with you. Do you think that Elon Musk is going to get rid of that? I doubt it. You know, I think he's going to leave that open. Um, So those are the things I think we can anticipate. We're going to go, oh. Well, I didn't realize that. Well, you got to remember who he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my my senior pastor and my good friend, Curtis Odell, C.A. underscore Odell. We're trying to get him to a thousand followers, by the way. Um, we're doing everything we can. We even created a foundation for it. The foundation <laughs> for getting Curtis to a thousand followers before the rapture. He tweeted this um, <laughs> uh, in, in March. He said, Elon isn't the guy conservatives think he is. And and he's probably right. And I think that um, Elon is, and ultimately for us as Christians, we got to remember Elon doesn't, I mean, he owns Twitter monetarily, but Christ owns Twitter. And so that, that alters the way that we, we tweet and we think about the medium. Um, I just want us to be careful not to tweet things that now that we're quote unquote free, um, that Christ would not approve of just Amen. because we can. Um, but I'm not saying there's anyone really, I know that are doing that. It's just, it even, I just have to check my own heart in that way. Oh, Do you yeah. guys know of any accounts that got reinstated that are good friends of yours or anything like that? Not um, that I've noticed. Yeah. I, I haven't noticed anybody that's gotten reinstated, but I know some people have come back that after you know the kind of the the great the great great twitter purge of 20 i think it was 2021 where uh suddenly conservatives disappeared overnight yeah. <laughs> accounts were getting purged that was uh, scary yeah it was, that was interesting so so many people left but with the, i know a lot have come back for example we were talking about andrew Rappaport. he he returned cuz he had gotten locked out of his account and could not get it back open he couldn't even oh. re, he couldn't even reinstate the existing account so he had to create a new one so i know that uh, there are many people that um, are coming back online 
as a result of hearing this and seeing it as a positive move. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what develops. Of course, the, the flip side of this is what's going to happen to all the other social media alternatives that have come up as in, in the in the uh, Gab, uh, Truth Social and um, and Getter <laughs> were three places where people were going. And now it's like, do they all stop using that? What happens? It'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. I, or Rich, what do you want to add there? Oh, I really can't, honestly can't think of anything else. I agree with everything both of you said. Um, honestly, if Twitter goes back to some way, if it looks like it did at some point, you know, several years ago, I think a lot of those other platforms will end up being like a MySpace, you know, it just kind of, <laughs> kind of fades in the background and disappears. Um, I, some of the, I've looked at, not near, I think I joined one or two of them. I never really used them. Um, but when it comes to this type of platform, Twitter still, to me, works better than any of the others, mm -hmm. even though a couple of them have tried to emulate Twitter as much as possible. They just have not gotten the interest by the, you know, the great numbers of people. There's a lot of things going on in evangelicalism, whether it's it's wokeness or, or gender identity issues. Um, there's a lot of things to be concerned about and keep your eyes on. What are some concerns that you have in evangelicalism today, um, particularly in, within the visible church? Oh, goodness. Um, how many hours do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, th that is one of the topics that Chris and I deal with from time to time. And that's one that I can get riled up about pretty easily. But if I had to pick one or two right off the top of my head that stand out, first, the term evangelical has been redefined to mean anyone that proclaims to be a Christian, whether they actually are or not, regardless of whether they are adhering to the Christ of the Bible or they're adhering to a Christ like the Jehovah's Witnesses claim or the ones that the Mormons claim or the Roman Catholics claim. That is one of the biggest problems I see in American evangelicalism today is embracing anyone that claims to be a Christian, regardless of whether it's the Christ of the Bible or not. It's the embracing of sin that the Bible condemns and states emphatically that this is a sin, but yet there are those among the professing church that claim to be Christian and think that they can embrace a particular sin and yet still be saved. Mm. Um, the, and I'm, my tongue is trying to take a nap, but the ecumenical nature of what I see within American evangelicalism, where, you know, a hundred years ago, Protestants stood firmly on the word of God. Now they're embracing Roman Catholicism left and right. And, going into partnerships with them in various degrees, whether it's spiritual or worldly things such as abortion or other issues. And I've said on our show that for a Christian, everything should be a spiritual endeavor because in all aspects of our life, we're commanded to follow Christ and live a life worthy of the calling that we have in him. Yeah, I think, number one, I would echo my brother's sentiments on that, uh, the watering down of what actually makes the evangelical church evangelical is, is it's basically gone. I think one of the primary reasons for that is the 
denial of the the practical denial of the sufficiency of scripture we what we are seeing now with the importation of so many worldly ideologies and you know we saw over the last year maybe two years now with things like critical race theory and gender theory and uh, the idea of trying to more and more push uh, feminist views on the church and you know we've got to have women pastors etc is it's a denial of the that the scriptures themselves can uh, can and are the the authority by which the church operates because it's we will constantly hear things like well scripture doesn't address how to do this so therefore we look to this issue and when the SBC for example voted on resolution 9 which was supposed to be a way of saying critical race theory is not what, what we appeal to it's the scriptures but it was a, a you know a crack in the door to allow as they said critical race theory to be an analytical tool by which we look at these things and determine how is this sin actually playing out we were looking to something that is not scriptural it has its basis in atheistic secularistic mm-hmm. marxist ideology why would you import that in, in any form if you th- if you believe in the sufficiency of scripture in its inerrancy its infallibility its inspiration and its, its sufficiency you you are practically denying the sufficiency of scripture when you import these ideas in and that's what we're hearing more and more is that we as christians if we care and love about our, or love our neighbors if we care for them if we want there to be justice if we want there to be equity we have to do these things mm-hmm. and if you appeal to scripture and say scripture says this for example about you know racism it's you know it's a hatred of uh, uh an unjust hatred of another person how do i deal with that i preach the gospel to this person i call them to repentance i t- mm-hmm. tell them to turn to christ and i you know i may, you know re- make them repent to the person for whom they have actually you know uh, actually shown hatred oh no you can't use that because that doesn't address the systemic part which is the only way you can get there mm-hmm. is by the atheistic secularistic marxist ideology and so it is a denial that scripture addresses the condition of the human heart. It is a denial that the God's word answers how to address these things. And mm-hmm. we see it even in other ways, such as the church's abdication of, you know, uh, dealing with uh, mental health issues, even such as counseling and marital strife mm-hmm. and uh, depression and, uh, and other issues that the church has the answers in scripture. Oh, no, you can't do that. I mean, you, you, mm. going back to Eki and and and, um, and uh, uh, Nathaniel mm. Jolly, excuse me, brain, brain skip for a beat for a second. Um, they have been making just some of those comments online, and the vile comments in return about you're just basically denying that anybody should ever get help. They should never <laughs> take medications, and you're just you're going to consign them to to a, a life of misery. And it's like no. Scripture addresses this and never have they said you can't do this or you can't do that. You know, they have said we go to Scripture first and then that's how we deal with these issues. Mm -hmm. And it is that is one of the biggest problems that I see is the church imbibing of of the things of the world because of its denial of the sufficiency of Scripture. And we are so obsessed with the idea. And this is the other thing that I'm seeing. And we see it kind of on display right now. And I hate to use the the same denomination again, but we see it within the SBC. It is this idea that we have to 
appeal to the culture in some way so that we have some cultural buy-in. Yes. Which goes back to the denial of sufficiency of scripture because you, you're looking for affirmation from what? The world who hates God and is at, at war with God and is running full tilt away from God. But we want some sort of affirmation that we care about, that they see that we care about them. So we begin to imbibe the things of the world and we turn on the very Christians who are saying, don't do that. We're, who are saying we need to stand firm in our theology, claim the truth of Jesus Christ to the, un, to the lost and to the unsaved and the unregenerate. And we need to quit worrying about whether they like us. Yes, we don't be jerks for Jesus. We don't become a stumbling block ourselves, but we preach the word without apology. We preach the word in love because we want them to come to Christ. We preach the word in love because we want them to repent of sin. We don't dance with the devil and expect not to, you know, to be pulled into the fires of hell. And so the sad truth is that what, what I see as one of the biggest threats to evangelicalism right now is this desire to be affirm, affirmed by the world and a denial of God's word as the tool by which we reach the world. I, I completely agree. I think we have a hermeneutics problem, you know, which goes with the sufficiency of scripture, just um, the move towards standpoint epistemology and how that affects our ability to interpret the Bible and how we need to bring in other people of other experiences, you know, to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. We need other people's input rather than, than being able to interpret the scripture with a literal grammatical historical approach. Um, that's been, been from the left, from the progressive left, that's been called, um, you know, a, a white way of, of a white hermeneutic, um, which is just unbelievably dangerous and wicked and sinful. Um, in that just, that takes God's clear word, his word that ha is full of perspicuity and then creates all kinds of confusion. So there's a hermeneutics problem that I see in our, in our time. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, there is a, our evangelicalism fears men today way more mm -hmm. than it fears God. And that, mm -hmm. that um, absolutely affects and paints every strategy, every attempt to, um, to reach the world, quote unquote. What are you even reaching the world with? Yeah. You're reaching the world with, they already are entertained. Everything the church tries to do to, to become relevant to the world, it does a really terrible job of it. It really does because because the world is much better at at creating plays and, and dramas. The church needs to do what it's called to do, and that's to go into all the world and make disciples, and and that's that's where we have to 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 give all of our time is to sharing the gospel. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, one last segment. We're gonna do we're gonna do a segment that I like to call hilarious tweets I saw recently from my friends <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I'm gonna start because I'm gonna pray that you guys didn't get this already. Okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna go first. Um, this one was from June 13th, 2021. Okay, this got popped up back on my Twitter, so it counts. Okay, it's not like I went <laughs> hunting from it. I didn't go hunting for it. It popped back up. Okay, this is from Owen Strand, and this made me actually laugh out loud. Okay, I'm sure you remember reading this. After preaching today, a lady told me that I looked, and I quote, like a little bantam rooster. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember that. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> what is he? What? Why would someone say that? That's so good. I tweeted about this today. Texas is crazy. This is where it happened. It happened in Lubbock, Texas. Texas is crazy. Yeah, it's it definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a little on the crazy that, side. So that <laughs> that made me laugh today. That made that gave me a good laugh when I saw that pop up. Rich, did you have any funny tweets you saw on Twitter? Well, I think I think this was either last night or today, and I find it amusing. Other people may not, but um, <laughs> it was in the conversation about the SBC, and, and one of our brothers commented the fact that Chris Hanholtz will be running for SBC president. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm not even. I'm not even SBC. <laughs> That was okay. That I remember. That was what I said. That uh, that was Andy Olson that did that. Um, <laughs> it was because I tweeted we were keeping our show, which dropped today, which is the uh, the 29th of April. We had recorded it two days before with Amy and Michelle, and so we kind of wanted it to be a surprise. So I said we got a super secret surprise. You'll you'll see it in two days. And Andy Olson immediately says, you know, oh yeah, yeah, Chris is running for SBC president. <laughs> That's Andy Olson from Echo Zoe. Yeah, there's another Great. one, another good Podcast. one for you. And he does his once a month, so you can you can slide his in uh, uh, easily. There you go. Uh, you know, that, <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to figure out what's a good one for me. They're the ones that I've read recently. The problem is, is that because somehow, and I don't say this to draw attention to myself, Somehow, most of my the jokes that happen online are just what Rich said. I become the butt of the jokes. <laughs> I don't know how this keeps Why? happening. <laughs> People um, love you, man. Just take it. Yeah, I can just, tell. Just <laughs> the more you fight back, the more they'll bully you. That's what they always say. Yeah, you and just gotta let it go. Yeah, and the problem is, is this: you know, once you give in, they go, "Oh, wow, we got him." Uh, <laughs> I, I swear to this day. I, and this is Andrew Rappaport's fault, um, and I will blame him for this. I, I, I still, I still get told, even though I have not won a giveaway in I don't know how many months, like like pre, pre probably pre COVID since I won anything. I have been her, her, ongoingly harassed about how much I win all the book contests on Twitter, to the you, point. To you the do. Point I don't. I think you've no. won. I think like I think you have a whole box <laughs> under your desk right now that you just won, and you're trying to <laughs> just play us right now. No, you know this. This is what's hysterical. It got so bad. Daryl Harrison joined in. Yeah, Daryl Harrison joined in, and then he says, "Oh, I'll tag Chris because he wins everything." And then he turned around and won the contest. Daryl won. He when he tagged me, it was the, it was a pretty significant uh, giveaway. It was uh, those guys at um, Guilt Grace. Oh, oh, it's the three G one. Now I'm gonna I gotta look it up. G three. Yeah. Well, no, not G three. Not G three. This it's is three G. Right. It's it's a different one, but they have a, it's a different podcast, and they do some really nice uh, giveaways. Uh, the, the Guilt Grace Gratitude podcast. They do some really nice giveaways, and and, and he, they had done one. It was uh, might have been like a Puritan uh, collection or something like that. I forget what it was. It was like three big, three big, three four volume set, 
And he tags me and says, well, I'll, I'll tag Chris because he wins them all. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm being, I'm being called out by the guy with the, like the biggest podcast Christian podcast out there. I'm being called out and saying, I win all the contests you? and he turns around and wins that contest. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of proverbs that talk about reputations, Chris. <laughs> and right now you are developing a little bit of a reputation for winning <laughs> Winning stuff. You know what I win when I sign up for those things, Chris? You want to hear what I win? I win a bunch of emails that I have to delete all the time. That's what I win. And then I look at them and I'm like, great. Now I got more emails. The only thing worse than that, you say you won emails. Uh, It was about a year and a half ago around Christmas. And it was one of the larger ministries that had like one of those mega huge giveaways. It was like a thousand dollars worth of books and bobbleheads, like a Spurgeon bobblehead and all these other different resources. And they had like three grand prize winners. Well, I was actually one of the grand prize winners, but unfortunately UPS lost two to three pounds. And I ended up with the box that only had like three books in it, even though I'd won all the others. So people talk about getting Han Holtz winning <laughs> these contests. I use the phrase, you don't want to. You don't want to yeah. get storied. You don't want to get storied. That's right. <laughs> well, I hate to admit, I hate to tell you this, Rich, but it all got delivered to Chris Han Holtz. <laughs> um, Stop making he up ended stories. Up with a, he ended up with those books. Poor Chris, man. See, Everyone's see, got this these is, This is how this happens. This is how this happens. This is why it's Andrew's uh, fault. I, I I freely admit, and Eki gives me grief for this because he says, "Oh, this is like saying I've only won the, the you know the lottery twice." I got two <laughs> two really nice giveaways back to back. One was the ESV reader commentary or ESV uh, six volume leather bound walnut case set. New Testament, beautiful, sitting on my shelf looking at it right now. Beautiful. I was shocked. It's not a cheap set. <laughs> that short time later, and nobody wants to acknowledge that there were two of us that won at the same time. Short time later, I think it was uh, w, WTS Books, Westminster Theological Seminary Books. I think they had a giveaway, and it was the Reformed commentary set, like like 20 books. And now at the same time I won that Stephen Melenzen wins the entire John MacArthur commentary set literally announced back to back, like in the same day, we, who, 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 who who gets the the grief for winning everything? Not Stephen Melenzen. He keeps stirring the pot. I, but (laughs) since, since then I've won very, very little. Most of what I've won is Andrew Rappaport saying, oh, I've opened a contest. I've entered Chris's name. I've closed the contest. Chris wins another book and then goes online and says, Chris wins again. So this is all Andrew's fault. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, yeah, well, I'm going to have to bring Chris, or I'm going to have to bring uh, Melson into, onto the podcast one of these (laughs) days and have a chat with him. I think he'd be, I think he'd be a lot of fun. Yes, there really does. I need to mediate this issue with you between you two. Hey, I'm really glad that you guys joined me on this podcast. You're the best. You are my inspiration. You deserve the 
the Congressional Medal of Freedom, the gold medal, <laughs> all the medals because of all of your hard work. Um, Chris and Richard are hosts of Voice and Reason Radio. Please make sure that you go and find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Um, give them five out of five stars. If anyone gives them less than that, um, I am going to scream. Um, so please give them give them five out of five stars and make a good comment underneath. And uh, thank you guys for joining me. 